0: I'm Nayaswami Bharat, and this is Nayaswami Anandi, and we'd like to welcome you to Sunday service, especially all our mothers on this glorious Sunday and uh, the the beautiful love you've expressed in your life, and also we'd like to congratulate all our Kriyavans, our new initiates into Kriya Yoga, and also our uh, Sharing Nature training uh, um, participants who've come from uh, all over, actually the world, uh, for this next week. I'd like to read from Rays of the One Light by Swami Kriyananda. And our reading is The Secret of Right Action. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. One of the most famous stories in the Gospels is that of Martha and Mary. Jesus visiting the home of Martha was teaching while her sister Mary... "'sat at his feet, absorbing his divine love and wisdom. "'Martha, meanwhile, busied herself with serving her guests "'and was upset with Mary for not helping her. "'Lord,' she cried, "'doesn't it matter to you that my sister "'has left me to do all this serving alone? "'Please ask her to help me.' "'Martha, Martha,' Jesus answered, "'thou art careful and troubled about many things. "'But one thing is needful.' and Mary hath chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. This story is classic, for Martha's complaint is very understandable, and not on the surface of it spiritually wrong. Jesus may well have told Mary to get up and help her. We don't really know that he didn't, considered as he always was of others' needs. But the teaching here doesn't concern the obvious dilemma of devotees, to work for God, or to spend all one's time in prayer. It concerns, rather, the attitude of the mind. Jesus didn't tell Martha, Martha, you are doing too much. He told her, rather, you are letting your work affect your inner peace. That was the contrast. Not work versus contemplation, but restless preoccupation versus peaceful absorption under all circumstances. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, The second chapter, actions performed under the influence of desire are greatly inferior to those which are guided by wisdom. Happiness eludes people when they act from self-interest. Seek shelter, therefore, in the equanimity of wisdom. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh.
1: Good morning, and happy Mother's Day also. Um, Thank you. It's wonderful to have this chance to celebrate service together. I thought in honor of Mother's Day, I would read a prayer from Whispers from Eternity to Divine Mother, and what I discovered is, even though Yogananda worshipped God as the Divine Mother, almost all the prayers in this book, because it was written for the West, are to Heavenly Father. (laughs) But... (laughs) Here is one to divine mother and it happens to go with today's service. O divine mother, the bee of my mind is ever engrossed in thy lotus feet of blue of blue light. It drinks the honey of thy motherly love. This bee will drink no other honey but that which is graced by thy perfume sweetness. I have been thy busy bee. I have soared through the fields of many incarnations breathing the airs of countless experiences. I will roam now, no more. Thy fragrance has quenched at last the perfume thirst of my soul. Thank you. Well, I'm sure everyone listening to today's service, knows that a few weeks ago, Swami Kriyananda, our teacher and the founder of Ananda, left his body. And I was very interested in looking at kind of how that happened and what happened, which is that he left early enough on Sunday morning that all of our colonies and most of our meditation groups actually celebrated his astral ascension service that day. And the next Sunday after that, the service topic was How High Should We Aspire? Appropriate. And the next week's service topic was Perfection Lies in Self-Transcendence. These are all such beautiful messages of Swami's life. And then today's service, The Secret of Right Action, kind of pulls it all together because Swami's life, as Yogananda told him, was to be one of intense activity, and meditation, and those of us who are his spiritual children, our lives are also lives of intense activity and meditation. And so it's—I don't know how you feel, but whenever the reading of Mary and Martha comes around, it's always a sort of a, "Okay, how well are you doing this? Are you?" I think the most important line in this is is um, what he says: "Are you caught up in?" restless preoccupation or in peaceful absorption in everything you do. It's a beautiful, beautiful reminder that what we're supposed to do. And Swami was such an incredible example of that because he was enormously productive, staggeringly so, and yet always still at his center. Whenever I saw saw him, that's what struck me all the time. He was completely still. Um, for many years, I actually worked with the new members and we would review together Swami leading the energization exercises. So, exercises kind of by definition involve movement. And yet, as I watched that video, I would, and he was doing them perfectly, but as I watched the video, I was going, he's not moving. There's something about him that is totally still. And that's because it came from his spine. And in his spine, there were no little vrittis, as we talked about at the fire ceremony, no impulses, I have to do this, I must do this, I have to write this book, I have to write this song. It was all stillness at his core. And that's what expressed through everything that he did. There was a woman here, who's no longer here, um, She's not the only one who could have said this to him, but she was, she was very um, busy and stressed out, um, and Swami said something to her about her busyness, and she said, well, look at you, Swami, you're so busy, you do so many things, you're always working, you're always working, and he said, yes, but I never let anything disturb my inner peace No matter what work, no matter what other people needed him to do, he never let it disturb his inner peace. I had a very memorable experience of this inner peace. Um, This happened about 30 years ago, and I really remember it vividly. We were having a satsang in the Crystal Hermitage Dome, and at that time the dome was much smaller because uh, it was broken up into parts. And so the community was... Uh, kind of crowding into what is now about a third of the size of the dome. And I had sat right in front of Swami, a couple of feet away, but as more people kept crowding in, he kept saying, everyone come in closer, come in closer, so that you know, we can let the people at the back come in. And so by the time everyone got in, I was sitting right next to Swami. I don't think I was touching him, but I was very, very close. I would be touching him within a few uh, millimeters. Um, and so he was giving a satsang. The room was filled with, I don't know how many dozens of people. And we started with a prayer, a chant, and a meditation. Well, that meditation, he went from the chant to total and complete stillness. I, I couldn't breathe. It was so still. I actually don't think that a deeper level of stillness is possible. I think it was... Absolute. It was that powerful. And, and so I had two things going on. One was I couldn't breathe. I, I wasn't really prepared to be breathless at that moment. And now I was, but I, I in that stillness, really, I felt like breath was not the right thing. I, and so I was trying to catch my breath quietly. But also, I was completely in awe of that stillness that was just, he was just in it instantly. And that just pervaded every single thing that he did. So I wanted to talk about this reading a little bit because I don't think I'm the only one who is challenged by um, restless preoccupation versus this perpetual peaceful absorption. And so what is it that trips us up? And I think the first thing is obvious and profound. It's the sense that I'm the doer it's up to me. I've got all this stuff to do. How can I do it? Um, It's all me. It's all me. And I have to get it done. And so it adds this tension, it adds this busyness, and it adds this um, energy at our core, trying to move outward. And I just recently heard a beautiful talk. We have something here called um, Treasures Against Time, which is monthly talks by Swami Kriyananda, and one just came out, I believe it was from about 1973, very early on. And the title of the talk was Losing Self... Uh, not preoccupation, but self-importance. Losing self-importance, which was the kind of a keynote of Swami's life. And in it he told a, a beautiful story about a friend of his who told, was in India. And this man had some... Um, business to conduct at a government office and so he India is very very big on bureaucracy and there are many many government offices and so this friend of Swami's was wandering through all the corridors and came to some dusty back office and there was a man who worked there and this man was required to fill out some forms and fix his signature and so on and so the man did the little busy work that was required while the friend waited and then he said this man came and presented the paper to him. And this man's eyes were so calm and so radiant. He said this man looked like a king on his throne. And he just said to him, Who is your guru? And the man said, I'll take you to him. And he, he did. But this, what this man would do is he would get on the trolley in the morning. He would go breathless in meditation trolley stop, his trolley stop would come, he would start breathing again, get off, go to work, and then all through the day, he maintained this sense of God absorption. Now, what's interesting about that story is that for a lot of us, our lives are a lot more demanding. I don't know how many people made their way to his dusty office through that day, maybe not very many, and he had... A long time to be in stillness and quietness. And a lot of us are doing things that are much more demanding. And yet what I've found is that story just brings you back to the right proportion. What are we doing? We're trying to be absorbed in God. And okay, so now we're at the computer or whatever. Now we're talking to people. But still the goal is to be absorbed. So the the next trap we fall into is becoming too absorbed in the stuff we have to do oh i got this done today and i got that done today oh it feels good to cross that off my list and cross that off my list and we're just in the the doing not in the feeling and that is a big big uh trap for us to just be so caught and i was remembering this week uh, um, earlier this week, it just seemed like there was just this incredible flurry of messages and things to do and intercommunications between people. And it, it was like every time I, I looked at the computer, this, things were multiplying. And it reminded me of a story in the path, and it really, really made me chuckle because there's a story that Swami was taught told by one of Yogananda's um, women disciples. And she said that she was in the kitchen with Master and he was cooking an Indian meal. And so she thought, well, here I am. I'll just, I'll just clean up after him so that you know we'll keep the place clean and when he's done, it'll be practically done. And so as he chopped and sautéed and whatever, she would just take the pan from him that he was finished or the bowl or the knife that he had just finished using and she would just wash it up. Well, she noticed that The more she worked, he seemed to be getting messier and messier. And like he was just, you know, stuff was spilling. And he was using more and more pans and bowls and knives and spoons. And she thought, I don't think I've ever seen messier cooking in my life. And she's just trying to keep up with him. And and then she finally thought, you know what? This is impossible. I think I'll just sit here quietly and be with him. And when he's done, I'll just attack this thing. And she noticed that he smiled just a little bit. <laughs> and then he stopped being so messy. And he was just trying to teach her the difference between restless preoccupation and service. One time Swami said, and it sort of haunted me a little bit, he said, you know, I don't want them to put on my tombstone. He paid his bills. <laughs> You know, it wasn't, I don't mean that he wasn't going to pay his bills, but you know what I mean. It's just like, okay, he got that done, and he got that done, and he got that done, and that's such a temptation for us, isn't it? More and more things to get done, but just to try to feel like, how can I stay in the present? How can I stay in God's presence and do this? There was a famous, uh, not a famous, but a great, great um, yogi, that our Swami met, and someone asked this yogi, Swami Narayan, what is the purpose of life? And he answered very simply, life is to close out all of our accounts and not to open any new ones. (laughs) So we don't have to, it's not a matter of how did people love what we did, was it popular, does everyone agree? Whatever it is, did I do enough this day? But rather, did I keep the right attitude and do it to the very best of my energy? Not what came back, but what went into it. Was it the very highest and best that I could do? And if that's the truth, then that's, then I've closed that account. And that's the most important thing. So the more we can do, the better. Swami said we should feel very happy to work hard for God, to feel like, oh, good, I can do more, I can serve more, but never with the sense of, I have to, I must, um, the world needs me to get all these things done. But rather, if I'm moving with this energy, there's a flow to it. I had an a interesting, fun story. Again, this happened long, long ago, but it's a wonderful memory. Back in the 70s, when Swami used to give the whole spiritual renewal week by himself give every morning class afternoon counseling evening uh, performances and that year I was working in our recordings business and he had had two of the people on our staff create a slideshow uh, that had a he had written a script and they put together uh, some of his photographs and music and created a, it took him a couple of months and they created a very nice slideshow but Swami felt like it needed some changes. And so in the in during spiritual renewal week, he was going to show it like the next night. He decided, well, let's let's go into the studio that we were working in, let's go in there and let's make the changes. So he took me, because I was part of recordings, and he took Asha, who is the secretary, and so he went into town, gonna whip out this little job and uh, you know get back. Well, when he started to pick up the job he realized there's a lot of parts of this when you have things that flow together like music and words and slides and you sort of have to take it apart and start all over again and so uh, not very long into our time there in town he realized that this is a huge job this is much bigger than I thought it was and we have about 24 hours to do it and so but what was really interesting was there was no change in his manner, just in the level of energy. Just, I was just thinking it was like, in, like riding a very, very fancy, fast car, you know, and you're just driving at 60 miles an hour and you just step on the gas and the car without a rattle or a shake just instantly puts out more energy, smoothly and evenly, and that's what he did. He started to get into that flow. Just as happy, just as even-minded. Nothing had shifted except the level of energy had amped up. And at one point, um, he gave me the script to go upstairs and retype. And I'm not that fast of a typist. And I'm also, I make a lot of mistakes when I type. <laughs> I took the script, and I went upstairs. And I just, it was like being in his, um, it's called the slipstream, the, the wake of his energy. And I sat down, there weren't computers in those days, I sat down at the electric typewriter and it was fascinating. My fingers were just going boo, and there were no mistakes. <laughs> you know, I know this is not a great miracle in terms of, you know, <laughs> people's lives being saved or. You know, whatever. But I knew what it was. I knew I was not the doer. I knew that there was an energy flowing through. And I thought, that's the energy that he lives on. That's the energy that's flowing through him all the time. And I got to experience just a little bit of it. So what can we do to correct some of these things we fall into? And um, one of them is to... Keep our minds talking to God, singing to God as much as we can when we, do, when we go into work, when we go into whatever it is that we're doing. Have, be, be in conversation with God. Be talking to him about what you have to do and that you're counting on him to do it through you. And be singing to him and be trying to keep your energy with that love, with that self-offering. So singing and talking to him, Stopping momentarily from time to time and just recenter yourself with your breath. You can inhale, I am, exhale, he, I am that. Really reconnect with that center. And something that I've been really enjoying doing lately and found it amazingly helpful is to just ask that the Guru go before me. Whatever I'm doing, I may have some qualms about if I can get it done, if I can do it well. Ask that he go before you. And more and more you can feel it happening. You can feel it, you can see how it works, and you see that it works once, and you go, hmm. And on that experience, deeper faith is built. And so you just keep asking that that go before you and set the tone, set the vibration, and continually do that throughout the day. So this is clearly our assignment in this life. We incarnated in a very busy time in history, a very busy life in general, and it's our assignment and our great blessing to say, how can we do this in God, in peaceful absorption? And it's, what's so great about the spiritual path is it's not easy. It's, it's always the carrot in front of you, so you can always get better and better and better at it. And that is part of what we can do to follow in the example that Swami has given us. I would like to end with a very special story that I heard um, a couple of weeks ago. We had a uh, women's retreat here, And uh, over at the Gaia house. A very inspiring weekend and at the end we were having a circle and people were sharing whatever thoughts they had. Well one of the women in the group was from our Palo Alto community and she um, had been involved two or three years and but she was very very much dedicated to it though she was a single mom she couldn't go to everything still she was this was her life and she said, but I never had had a particular connection with Swami Kriyananda. But the night, in, early in the morning of April 21st, the day Swami passed, she had a dream. And in the dream, someone came to her, and she didn't recognize who they were, she just saw blue. She saw a lot of blue, like about here. And this person said to her, I came to show you the way home. And she said it was such a strong experience that she woke up, she began to meditate, she began to try to tune in to that blessing that had just come to her and to offer herself into that blessing. And she did that for a couple of hours and then went to sleep, and then she went to Sunday service. She found out that that was the day that Swami had passed and she felt that's who it had to be. And it's changed her whole understanding of who he is, of what the path is. And I felt everyone in the, that circle, I think that was the culmination of a wonderful weekend. But I felt it was very powerful and inspiring for me. I wanted to leave that and offer that to you. I think it's a very beautiful reminder for all of us. So let's meditate on that, and let's meditate on that.